take a seat, sit back, relax, and welcome to the Cladecast. Today, I have my good friend and my neighbor, a longtime childhood friend, Philip Fontanetta. Uh, thank you for coming onto the podcast. Good to be here. Yeah, so uh, Philip, he's got a lot of interesting stories, so I wanted to have him on. And he's actually leaving very soon to go uh, to be in a future embassy guard, but we'll get to that a little bit later. So uh, yeah, Philip, you want to introduce yourself? My name's Philip. Like he said, I'm his neighbor, and I've pretty much known this kid his uh, whole life. Yeah, so uh, yeah. Philip just came back home from from Vegas, and he does a lot of shooting when he's there, and he's a very strong advocate for uh, guns. I, I think you, you would say that you're a very strong advocate for guns. I would say so. Um, yeah, I enjoy our Second Amendment. I think it's very important that uh, we have that, and yeah, it's a great topic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you think that in California, it's too strict of gun laws? Well, when you look at gun laws, you got to understand that you, see, you, have to, you have to see the correlation between the gun laws and the rate of crimes. And uh, California has some of the most strictest gun laws, but we also have some very high crime rates. Same thing goes for New York, too, when they have some very harsh gun laws. But in New York, they also have some of the highest crime rates. Yeah, I mean, uh, I know that in other states uh, that have a lot of a lot of gun laws, they don't have as much crime. Especially in Texas, a lot of people they have uh, open and closed carry. I'm pretty sure, mm-hmm. and uh, their crime is a lot lower than L.A. or in, or California or just yeah. all all the, these states that have really strict gun laws. Well, when uh, you have a fear of doing something to someone and knowing they might have a gun, you're probably not going to do it. Yeah, I, that's very very true. Yes, it is. When you understand that. Texas, they have some very harsh uh, penalties for crimes. You uh, you tend not to commit them as much. Mm-hmm. And if everyone has a gun too, you don't want to commit crimes because you'll know you'll get shot. That too. Uh, I would not want to break into a house in Texas. <laughs> no, you would not. Yeah, uh, everyone's got a gun. Yeah, they're they're, they're going to be excited if you break into their house. They're going to be, I get to use my second amendment rights. <laughs> yeah, something they've been waiting for. But yeah. Um yeah, guns are important, but you also have to understand it's a big responsibility. Um, I grew up with weapons in my house. Um, something that was always a big concern was if uh, something happens with my parents' weapons and I were to get hurt or my siblings were to get hurt, then my parents are going to be held accountable. Do you think that there should be certain restrictions for guns? Because in most people, they're able to buy a gun at 18, but there's been examples of like, Mental, mentally disabled people like Nicholas Cruz when he shot uh, I don't remember the name of the school that the school shooting was at but he was mentally disabled and he was able to buy a gun do you think that that was just a one time one chance thing or do you think that was because there was a flaw in the system well when you uh, look at uh, firearms uh, I think everyone including the people in the far anti-gun and the far gun side will agree that not everyone should have guns to the point uh, where it's uh, mentally, where someone is mentally unstable. Uh, I don't think anyone anyone would want weapons uh, in those people's hands. And when you have uh, background checks, I think that helps enforce uh, people from getting that that don't really uh, should that shouldn't have it. And do you think things like bump stocks should be taken away? Um, bump stocks are. Uh, I've never really been a fan of them anyway. Most gun people who are really into guns aren't. Those are just more for like uh, people that just do their own thing. And uh, 
people that are really into firearms aren't really using bump stocks and stuff. But when you look at it, eh, I'm not really a fan of them. I'm a real, real big fan of them, yeah. Talking about like police, uh, a lot of people, are, they don't like that they have guns and they feel like they that the police should have other ways of enforcing uh enforcing the laws on people and a lot of people they believe that gun uh cops shouldn't have guns what do you what do you think about that using alternative forces well when you look at places like the uk and stuff uh when uh police uh aren't a typical uh field police officer doesn't carry a handgun or a firearm they uh tend to be a lot more vulnerable um i can understand if uh you wanted to increase the level of training, the firearm training a police officer has, I think that'd be a very uh, beneficial thing to do for police officers. Um, because when you look at the training, they have six months of, pol- most places have six months of police training, and only a certain section of that is firearm. Um, I remember when one of my family members was going through it, it was uh, not the biggest portion of it. It was it was pretty important that they something they went over but I feel their tactics, their their mentally, their mental um, place on where they at needs to be a lot more trained. Because when you have high stress situations, all your training will go out the window. That's why you need to have such a high level of training that when shit hits the fan, um, you can able you're able to take care of that. Now, do you think that when police are handling situations, would you say that most people or most police officers use like a good amount of force, uh, like? A lot of people say that cops use excessive force, but a lot of people don't really know the situations or the background behind it. You coming from a background that has family and the police, you would know the most coming. uh, You would know the most uh, knowledge about the police and using different types of force on people. Well, that's one thing I think uh, a lot more police officers would be training uh, jujitsu. Jujitsu is such a beautiful art because you can learn how to, uh, we call it the gentle art because you can... um, hold down someone without uh being able to hit them in the face you can go for a takedown and you can hold them down without having to hit them in the face i see these videos of police officers with batons hitting people 10 times 15 times and that's doing nothing but making the officer look untrained wouldn't you much rather see an officer instead of hitting them 10 times with a baton wouldn't you much rather see them being able to put them on their back and hold them down without a being able to strike them at all. I think that would be much more beneficial for the suspect, the suspect's family, the police officer, and the police department he's representing. I No, I completely agree. I feel that if police officers have a lot more knowledge in that, it would stop a lot more confrontation, a lot more accidental deaths, or maybe not even accidental deaths, but just shootings because things got excessive or things got too out of hand. Things that could have been prevented from higher level of training. Exactly. Yeah. I look at that, and I, it's upsetting, especially because... Uh, I have put in a fair amount of time training on the mats and uh, with police officers, with military members. And those are the people that are seeking the help on their own to make themselves better. Um, when you look at it, jujitsu is such a nice art because uh, someone, if you let's say if you're in a boxing match, there's weight limits and stuff. But if you're 140, you're probably not going to outbox the dude who's 180, 200. When there's over 40, 50 pound weight difference and higher up. But the beautiful thing about jujitsu is that it was designed for the smaller man. The guy who uh, kind of reinvented it or who reestablished jujitsu, Helio uh, Gracie, he, he was only, I think, around 140. And he was tapping out giants. He was tapping out 
big macho men. And uh, that's the beautiful thing about this art is that it's for the smaller person. And you can use it without having much strength. He had a disability where he would run up a flight of stairs and he'd pass out. Oh, jeez. Oh, yeah, it, it was pretty bad. So then uh, his brothers learned uh, judo from a Japanese man who brought it over to Brazil. And his brothers were started teaching judo uh, in Brazil. And then one day... One of the his brothers wasn't there to teach a private class. So Helio started teaching the classes and uh, he modified the techniques a little bit for his uh, disability. And with that, we uh, it gave birth to what we now know as Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, to how someone who's small can defeat a much larger opponent with proper technique. Um, simple takedowns, simple chokes, arm locks, stuff like that. Um, sweeps off your back, very important. Yeah, uh... As like as a small person myself, uh, you and me are both kind of smaller. I think jujitsu. Uh, if I were ever in some sort of fight, that it would be good for me. Yeah, jujitsu is a beautiful art. Um, me myself, I've been in the advanced classes for over several years now, and just the stuff I've learned is is crazy stuff you would never think about. Um, stuff from underhooking an arm to underhooking a leg and being able to sweep someone from a being able to sweep someone from a bottom position is such a beautiful thing. Yeah, and uh, like me, I'm just me. I've been getting into UFC recently and learning a little bit from you about jujitsu. Uh, like helps me get a better understanding of UFC and watching. Uh, it's not. It's really not only the punches. If you have some good uh, tackling or grappling techniques, you can win just by doing that. Yeah, well, when you look at the, uh, if you've ever seen the first UFCs, um, it's not like how you see UFC today. The first UFC was a, a tournament. Similar to like how a water polo tournament would be or baseball or basketball tournament would be. You'd have two teams play against each other. And a team who would win would go on to the next next, and all the way up to the semifinals and then finals. That's how the first UFC was. It was a tournament. So you had all these uh, different martial artists. The guys at the first UFC were real smart. They got these guys, a karate guy, a boxing guy, uh, a wrestler, a jiu-jitsu guy. And they just made them fight. The first UFCs were more skill against skill your taekwondo versus my jujitsu stuff like that i did not know that there were no weight classes no time limit no uh gloves so we're bare knuckle fighting and whatever whatever happened happened and Um, who would often win those well hoist gracie used jujitsu and he won the first tournament he won first ever tournament first ufc ufc won you ever see how there's ufc 229 230 they named those, and it's, you go all the way down to the first UFC. And that was in, I believe, 1992. And that proved how efficient jiu-jitsu was, how a guy who was much smaller was able to defeat much larger and stronger guys. You, uh, jiu-jitsu, it's a really good uh, self-defense uh, mechanism. Uh, and I know it can also be used on the, offens- on the offensive. And for a while, you've been wanting to go into the... You, what, what, are you wanting, what are you wanting to be? Not military. The Marine Corps. Marine Corps. And so, like, your whole life I've known you. You've always wanted to be in some sort of the branch of the military, the army. And uh, I, I think it's really cool how you're going to, like, all this jujitsu skill is going to hopefully pay off when uh, when you go there in eight days, when you when you go for training. It's when, pretty crazy. When I leave in eight days, yeah. Um, the beautiful thing about the Marine Corps is they have their, uh, they call it MCMAP which I believe stands for Marine Corps, something with Marine Corps martial arts. 
Um, and they do a variety of things from boxing to kickboxing. And a lot of it is grappling. And a lot of from what I've seen is jujitsu. And uh, I like to help people. And that's one of the reasons why I'm joining the military is to help people who really need it. Um, and I see them training jujitsu and that drawed me more into the Marine Corps than let's say the Air Force or the Army, even though they do have that, but just the way the Marine Corps represents themselves, uh, I believe that was for me. Yeah, I think the Marine Corps is going to be really good for you. You've been, uh, you've been training a lot. I know that you, you said you kind of got screwed over. You, uh, you want to explain that, how you kind of got screwed over by your recruiter? Oh uh, yeah. Um, so I wanted to be a part of a special unit called Marine Recon. For short, that was short for reconnaissance, and it's a pretty hard school to get into, but you can get a contract right away. So what I was told is that you're able to uh, get a recon contract, which would basically guarantee you go to that school, and um, it'd be up to you if you wanted to finish it. So I was told there are contracts, and I said, okay, let's do it. And he said, there's only two spots left for recon. And I said, okay, I'm going to do everything I need to. I want medical screening, MEPS, the background checks, physicals, everything I needed to do. When I finally finished that, he's like, oh, they're not giving out recon contracts right now. And I was like, you told me there was two left. And is that because of COVID? Uh, no, it was in the middle of COVID. It was within the whole span of, I think, two, three weeks in the end of October. I think that that's really unfortunate, but now you're going to be, uh, you're doing an also very interesting job now, or you're going to be, and you're going to be in a U.S. embassy guard. Yeah. Uh, Marine Corps security guard is uh, real cool. Those guys are, uh, their posture and their physique is real, real straight. Whenever you see some, uh, Marines at the white house, that's what they are. Some Marine security guards. They're the ones opening the door for the president, the first lady, all the high ranking people of the, uh, political world that ever end up in the white house and you see the helicopters that the president flies on those are called that's called marine one and it's always the marine holding the holding the door for the uh for the president as he walks on and i think that's a cool job to do um also going on to different embassies uh protecting our u.s soil and foreign countries i think that's a real important job too i think that's uh, f me, I wouldn't be able to do that. I think that'd be pretty scary. And you don't even know what country you're going to be deployed in, right? No. And I just think that's kind of intense. Uh, going through all this intense training and being gone for a long time, not being able to see your family. I, I can imagine that's being, that's really tough, but I know this is something that you really wanted to do for a while. So, yeah. Um, I, I've prepared myself in every way I've done first aid, martial arts. I've practiced shooting. I've done everything I can to uh, prepare myself physically and mentally. So at this point, I'm just ready to rock and roll. Do you want to stay peaceful or do you want to like get involved into the action? Do I want to get into a, a combat situation? Well, um, when you look at it, I'm very grateful for my life. I've been put here um, to help people. And that's why I, I joined the military. So I want to help people and I want to do whatever it takes. And if that involves putting away bad people, then uh, I'm ready. You were talking about to me before how you know that you're going to die eventually, so you want to go out in the most badass way possible. And I think that this is a, I think going out in a combat scenario protecting the country is a pretty badass way to go out. Well, when you look at it, you have what's called the Medal of Valor. And most people that get it, or I would say pretty much everyone, everyone that has gotten it, don't do it for the medal. It's not for... An award is not to be recognized, it's not to be famous, it's to help the man next to you. 
is to be there because when you're in the shit, all you got is the guy next to you. Mm-hmm. So when the people that do extraordinary things, um, they don't do it for the metal or anything like that. They do it to help the people that need it. And that's why I, I believe that uh, I, I think the Marine Corps is for me. Now, uh, you're about to go uh, in eight days. You're going to be in a really intense training. You're going to be going ship down to San Diego. You're going to be going through a bunch of intense stuff. Are you ready for that? Do you think so? Um, well, we'll know when I get there. <laughs> Do you know, like, if they surprise you whenever you get there, like, surprise you with any like, well, military training or Navy training or there, there's always training? There's always a, a shock when you get there. Why didn't I go to college? Why didn't I get a successful job? But uh, people people have said that. Um, but th- there will be that shock shock factor. Um, but I believe this is uh, for me. So you embrace the suck and you move on. Yeah. And is there a reason why you chose to do this instead of going to a four-year university? Well, like I said, I, I'm here to help people. I've been I've been blessed with such a good life that um, I know it's my duty to help people whose lives aren't that easy. People that are truly oppressed, people that don't know what true freedom is like. I want to help spread my freedom because it's such a beautiful thing. I think that's a very uh, good way at looking at life. Um, I enjoy um helping people i've done everything from volunteering at churches to volunteering at different uh uh food drives and stuff like that so um helping people is for me yeah i enjoy um different things such as like i said helping people and one thing that um is really important is uh mental mental, mental health your mental state um, a lot of people say, why join the Marine Corps? You're going to get PSD, PTSD. Um, why are you doing this? You can, you can have much an easy, you can have such an easier life. And it's not, to me, it's not about having an easy life. It's not about that. It's about, I'm young, I'm in my prime. I want to do them what I can. And now are you planning on doing this for the rest of your life? Or are you planning to use this as an opportunity to expand your your future like do you want to open a business or do something after this after the military well i right out of high school i did a year of culinary school and i enjoyed cooking i was uh, very fortunate enough to go to a high school where there was a culinary program and i did it my junior year and i was going to be a ta my senior year to help out with the class because i liked it so much and um, my teacher said why are you going to be a ta when you can just take the year-long class instead of the semester-long class and uh so i said okay and i signed up for the year-long class and because i had prior experience and because i have such good uh, communication skills uh, my teacher put me in a group with several uh, special needs kids and helping them work through it helping them with problems they had outside the class becoming friends with them that really opened my eyes to like i said helping people who really need it and then uh, taking things that I have for granted made me realize that it was not as easy as life isn't as easy as everyone thinks it is. Now, what would you say to someone that argues that being in any of the branch of the military is not not a good thing and you would be considered a bad person because you're killing people if you do kill someone? Well, when you look at it, United States military is how many countries are there? I believe around 180. No clue. I believe uh, 
It's around 180, maybe to 190 countries in the world, individual countries that identify as a country. The United States military is in 120 of those as we speak. And what they do is they do everything from stopping terrorism to providing humanitarian aid. You're going to tell that the military is bad when the earthquake in Haiti happened. And we're going over there giving food, water, and recovering people who were trapped. Are you going to tell that to those people? What about the men that goes over there and fight radical extremists over there in uh, countries that are that are uh, that when they stop these ba- very bad people to committing crimes, uh, they would put these people or, or I wouldn't even call them human. I would call them animals. Because they put suicide vests on special needs children and putting and, them in. And they try to kill Americans. Not Americans, anyone. They put suicide vests on these kids and have them go in the markets and just and just do it. And you would see um, they'd be throwing, uh, it's illegal to be gay in those countries. And um, like I said, our freedom is such a beautiful thing that I want to help share my freedom. When men in those countries uh, will help Americans, would be working with Americans, and then these bad people would show up to their houses when they're not there and would force their wives to uh, tell them where their husband is. And when their wives refused, they would do everything from cutting off their breasts to killing their children, cutting off their children's arms. It's It's awful. It's an awful world that uh, some people have to go through. And that's one of the reasons why I want to join is to help stop that, to help share our freedom. Now, although these people are horrible and in places like Iraq, Iran, uh, Mm -hmm. they're doing all these horrible things to people. Their ideas and views are not to what our beliefs are. And yeah, they do horrible things like kill, murder. They make people commit suicide with suicide belts. Can you see the side where people think it's wrong to force the idea of freedom or the American version of freedom onto other countries because some people may believe in other countries they may have strong religious beliefs or they may have just strong political beliefs that maybe something like communism is the correct way to go or fascist dictatorship what do you like what would you say to someone that believes that that is just wrong to force our ideas on them killing innocent people is not right. Like when I when I see that, it just upsets me when um, these people that don't do anything have their lives taken away, have these lives ruined. Uh, it's upsetting. And when you see that different countries, and we're not forcing our ideas. One thing that American military does is we're we're not policing the world. When we go to Iraq and Afghanistan, we're not fighting Iraq and Afghanistan. Where fighting alongside with them we're embedded with the afghan soldiers um what what we do is we'll train up a group or unit of afghan soldiers so that when we leave they will know how to uh, have their own set of skills we will give them their skills everything from communication to radios to tactical skills to fighting everything that would be beneficial in a combat environment um we would give to them so that they'd be able to do it on their own and make their own home because they don't have a choice. This is, that's where they live. We have choices. We have freedoms. They don't, they have to fight to survive. And that's one of the reasons why I think 
that when people say the military is bad, the military, people in the military are just there for killing, and they're wrong. We're not there just to kill. It's not about that. It's about helping the people that need it the most. And that's the way I look at it. Okay, now, so Donald Trump, he believed that we should build a wall to stop people from coming into our country because he believed that they were selling drugs and they were <laughs> that, that all Mexicans were rapists. That's what he was saying, all the people that were crossing over. Do you think that the people that are trying to come into America, the ones, uh, do you think that they should all be offered a chance? Do you think that they should be like given asylum right away? Or do you think that, uh, do you think that they should be given asylum? Or do you think that it's what Donald Trump's idea of like making sure that they come over slowly is working? Well, when you have a group of friends from high school and you invite them over, don't you want to know who's coming into your house? Yes. You don't just want random people coming into your house. When you have these uh, people coming into our country, I believe everyone should be given our beautiful freedom. That's one of the reasons why I'm joining is to share that. Our, our, our land is such a beautiful place that when um, these people try and come here, we need to know, we need to understand who's coming into our country. Why are they coming here? Do they have bad intentions? Do they have good intentions? Um how are they going to make a living for themselves? Because we don't want people coming here and panhandling, obviously. Mm-hmm. But if they're, I believe if they're they're good people, they can prove they're good. No gang, no cartel affiliation, no criminal records um, to a certain extent. And they can prove that they're not awful or here to do bad things. I believe everyone should have our freedom. I believe everyone should have that chance. Do you but, think that the current immigration system is corrupt or do you think that it's good how it is right now i believe that um it's it's all right when we're letting people in but it does the system itself needs to be i think more efficient um it's a lot easier said than done but we need to know like i said know who's coming into our country we need to regulate that and we need to find uh places for these people to live that are it's okay for um for them, for that, their families. But when you look at a lot of these people coming over the border and you see one thing you see is these families getting separated or you see stuff like that. A lot, that does happen, but not as much as people think. A lot of what happens is that these, these men that are smuggling drugs will, will bring children that aren't theirs, that aren't part of their family that don't belong to them they'll do that so that if they get caught it's a lesser punishment one thing um and that's why you see us separate them is because those people have no affiliation with those children Mm -hmm. and uh i think that's not right when they take those children from their parents yeah a big thing during the debate this year was like the thing about the cages how mothers and parents were getting ripped away from their children and then the kids were getting left and the parents are not really able to get their kids back. The Obama administration built those cages. It is true. That is true. Um, that's a fact. You can look it up. Um, so when uh, the Trump administration was handed uh, the presidency, the, the, those cages are what was there from the from the previous president. And um, it's not real horrible as people say. It is. It's not like they're not getting fed. It's not like they're not giving proper hygiene. A lot of what you see is, is, 
I hate to say this, but it's fake news. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so on a recent Vice documentary that I watched, uh, I I feel like you might feel like this is disgraceful, but on a Vice documentary, uh, a bunch of cartel members, they explain that most of their gun trade comes from, from the US. US. I saw that. Um, I'm not really too familiar with that. Yeah. So they're taking confiscated uh, guns from the US and they're sending them to cartels in they're sending them to cartel members, and that's how they're getting all of their guns from confiscated military guns. Yeah, that's uh, not good. Uh, one thing you look at is uh, everyone knows who El Chapo is. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I can say is that the United States military, um, a branch in the uh, a unit in the army, are the ones that went over there and got him because uh, the U- the Mexican government was a joke when they let uh, him escape a couple times several times mm-hmm. and when that happens to where how a government can be so corrupt in the mexican uh community it's it's uh upsetting how they were how he was able to just dig a hole and escape like nothing so uh when we got involved with that business was taken care of when you also look at um el chapo's son who was captured by the mexican government they were afraid to touch him they didn't want to put him in handcuffs and uh a bunch of cartel members came and they sh- killed all of the police and all the people that were holding him and he escaped right yes um i believe the they let him go really yeah um i could be wrong but i believe that um because they were just afraid and i think that's such a messed up and that's when we need to start intervening and making sure the right thing is done making sure these bad people are put away and making sure good things are happening and do you think that if America were to legalize fully, federally legalize all drugs, do you think that the cartels in Mexico would stop? Do you think that they would be finished? Because their their main market is Americans. That's a that's a tricky question. Um, like when you look at California legalizing marijuana, the illegal crime or illegal selling of marijuana did decrease because of how you're able to get it legally. You're able to, if you're over 21, you're able to walk into a dispensary and buy it. Um, that, that hurt the uh, criminals on the streets a lot. So I would say, yes, if it became federal, a lot of these, uh, these cartel people that make their living off, uh, selling illegal, uh, drugs to Americans, they would, uh, I think they would suffer. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, for example, in Portugal, uh, their whole country is federally legalized, uh, all, all types of drugs and most of the illegal trade there has uh, diminished or well obviously hasn't diminished but the amount of crime and the amount of overdoses because of that has been lowered because all of it's legal and in america just recently it's either ohio or oregon oregon yeah uh they legalized all drugs including heroin which is uh pretty crazy yeah that's crazy in my eyes um i don't know how that bill passed um but yeah i believe that the mexican cartels will suffer if we uh legalize it so yeah i think that making things decriminalized stops a lot of the crime that happens and i think that it's kind of good that now there there was a drug on wars when reagan was in president but i think it's good that america is starting to loosen up on all this because i feel that if we loosen up then we'll actually win the war on drugs by just allowing all allowing all the drugs because it just stops the the crimes and more of the overdoses. Although I think that the opioid problem is still really bad. And 
Oxycontin, uh, they just got sued for a couple billion dollars for like over I saw that. for overselling it because it was causing a the opioid epidemic. Yeah, a lot of these uh, people that would think they need um, these pills and stuff, but in reality, it's not. It's a pill. A pill's not going to help you. It, that's that not going to do it. When you look at these people. A lot of them might be overweight. They might have problems, but those are problems that can be fixed on your own. Um, someone that uh, I listened to on a podcast, he said, "Discipline equals freedom. If you discipline yourself, you'll feel a lot better about it." No one's gonna force you to better yourself. No one's gonna force you to get off the couch and do it. You have to want to get it. Um, so once once you start incorporating discipline into your life, you'll realize that you'll have a lot more freedom. This, uh, unfortunately, we have to wrap it up. We reached uh, our time. It went pretty fast, I would say. I would say. Uh, thank you for coming on. Uh, it's going to be really sad that you're leaving for yeah. so long. You're going to be uh, you're gonna be shipped away. Yeah. You're going to be gone. Uh, it'll be all right. Um, I, I'm happy to help people. I'm happy to get my journey started. And uh, yeah, it'll be a good time. Yeah. So uh, thank you, everyone, for listening and everyone for watching. Uh, the podcast is now coming out every single Friday, so make sure to to stay tuned every single Friday. Uh, thanks again. Goodbye, everyone. Have a nice rest of your day.